welcome to the History Shows Us podcast. I'm your host, Letty, a historian with a passion to speak truth and teach about history, racial justice, and more, making the critical connections between the past and present. Seeing the bigger picture is so necessary in our society today. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, I am eager for y'all to hear this week's podcast episode, so I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. My guest on this podcast episode is my friend Tarek Brown, one of the co-founders of America Hates Us. For those of you who follow me on Instagram at Sincerely.Letty, you have seen me repost, reshare on my page, in my stories, a lot of their content. America Hates Us is a contemporary lifestyle brand, essentially, that reflects the political and social landscape in this country. So calling out racism, white supremacy, patriarchy, oppression, um, being revolutionary, right? Being informative, doing it in a way that's also comedic at times, right? Like, this is America Hates Us, and this is also Tyrannic Brown, And Tyrek and I became friends last year, actually, on Instagram, even though I had been following them before last year. (laughs) I remember back in 2019 messaging them and saying, yeah, your page is wonderful, like all the things, right? And they said to me, yeah, you know, we should collab. We love your page as well. And little did we both know that collabing would also mean cultivating the friendship that he and I have, and which I'm deeply grateful for. Because on Instagram, you don't think that you're going to really cultivate these friendships, right? But I'm learning that it, is, that it is extremely possible. So just a little bit of information, too, about America Hates Us. And the us actually stands for United States, but you're going to hear more about that in the episode. But America Hates Us was founded by Tyrick and his friend Brandon in Brooklyn. And it was founded 2016, and we all know what was going on then, right? And I just am grateful for all that they do, right? Because, yes, I own quite a few of their shirts (laughs) because I support them. They also support so many other organizations and people that are out here doing the work to dismantle the system of racism and white supremacy in this country and also in the world. And so let's just get into this episode with one of the best people I have met on social media. Welcome to my podcast. I'm so excited that we're actually having this conversation. Um, You're someone that I feel like, what, 2019, I started following you um, and your Instagram account, which is America Hates Us. And I remember we were like, oh, yeah, we should collab in like 2020. Mm -hmm. And then we did because I blew up on like social media. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, just tell me um, a little about yourself. Well, tell us a little about yourself. 
Uh, well, I appreciate you giving the attempt of my name. Um, <laughs> for a very long time, I didn't care how it was pronounced. Mm -hmm. um, but it's pronounced Tariq, spelled T-A-R-E-Q. It's Arabic. And um, once upon a time ago, I didn't care. I just, you know, wanted people to be somewhere in the ballpark. But then I attended a wedding um, of a college classmate. And she was Persian. And you ever go to a wedding where you're not like, the main friends or the important friends they just stick you at a table with a bunch of other random people and so these random people were you know not so close friends and family and we were going around the room and we were all saying our names and they got to me and I said oh Tarek and they're like that's not how you say your name spell your name so these are brand new people never met me before and they were asking me to try again and I said no it's T-A-R-E-Q they said your name is Tarek that's how you pronounce your name they started giving me the history of my name and the importance of it. And it really, and I advise anybody to look up if you've ever met a Tariq, spelled T-A-R-E-Q, more popular T-A-R-I-Q. Look up the name, uh, see what it means, um, and try your best, because I know not everybody can roll R's, um, to pronounce it, Tariq, T-A-R-E-Q. A bunch of people, it was, it, was a, it was a whole table versus me, and I was like, Maybe you guys know a little bit more than I do. That's wild, though, for real. And it's also like, yo, why didn't I know this? Right? <laughs> but that is really cool. I'm going to look it up. Um, so and I mean, funny enough, my, my mom um, got the name from one of her friends and named their kid that, but didn't know the history, just liked how it sounded and wanted to take it for me. So I have to tell my mom what my name and pronounce my name um, the correct way in front of my mom. But... She's old. She's gone through a lot. She's 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 grandfathered or grandmothered in to keeping calling me Tarek. She gets that fast. Yeah, I mean she she carried you, right? Yeah, right. She did. There's that. <laughs> no, be technical. Yeah, that is really cool though, like for real. Because earlier this week, I made a post about names and why names matter, and people don't even realize it, especially when it comes to black and brown people and names getting mispronounced and not caring and people wanting to just say, oh, well, can I just call you this? It's like, no, I want to be called by my name. Now, if like you have a nickname, sure, right? But yeah, it's about the humanity behind it. And, um, you know, my name is my grandma's name, my maternal grandma. Um, she mm -hmm. passed away two years ago. Um, so did mine, May 2018, well, three years ago. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, my grandma passed um, Easter Sunday, 2018. Um, oh, two weeks okay. before my wedding. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, so, but, I mean, it was one of those things where I was like, wow, like, what an honor to be uh, taken from this earth the day that Jesus rose. So I kind of mm -hmm. saw it as, like, a different meaning. But, um, yeah, like, now as a 32-year-old, I'm like, wow, my name has so much meaning because of who my grandma was. So, but, yeah, anyway awesome about your name um yeah to exactly so, your point with humanity um with regard to you know once upon a time ago black folks in this country were not referred to by our names we were called boy and so it is much great importance that you get our names right especially if we're asking for you to pronounce it right no yeah i absolutely agree with that because it just goes right. Like it just goes back to this idea of like 
what America has tried to do to us um, by like dehumanizing us, and we even see that playing out today. And so, yeah, like black people <laughs> call boy gal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still hate never anyone says gal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, was, that was white people being nice. Right. Right. And like, matter of fact, I recently heard someone say gal and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it just makes me think of a racist, white supremacist clan member. Uh, mm. I just get this visual. And I mean, I've been called gal before and I was like, don't call me that. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so speaking of America, um, the United States, I just made a face saying United, because uh, <laughs> we know that's not how this is. Yeah, so uh, why did you decide to start America Hates Us? Um, like what, what was the inspiration behind that and the name? Um, so the inspiration behind it was a friend of mine who had done uh, clothing companies prior to AHUS, America Hates Us, approached me, not with a name, but just the uh, the concept of doing something a little bit different than what he's done before. And he's very much into graphic design and design and, you know, pop culture. And I wasn't, I was getting, I was finished. I was in my uh, clerkship. I was clerking for a judge in New Jersey and it was winding down. Um, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, do solo practice, become a prosecutor, leave the country. A bunch of stuff was uh, swirling in my head. And he came up to me and he was like, hey, maybe we should come up with a clothing line. Um, and it talks about things that you are more familiar than I am. So, you know, you have the knowledge of history and law and socioeconomics, and I can do design and we can put our two heads together. And so the name didn't come until after the idea. The idea was to make things that were relevant to us, relevant to marginalized people, and think people can understand, uh, not necessarily super easy concepts, but things to make you think and you know encourage conversation. And so eventually, after we figured that'd be the premise, we we just thought about you know where the country was at. For the longest time, and I have friends that can vouch for it, I knew Trump was gonna win. I knew months out. I said the country is uh, I have a big smile on my face. And I tend to have a very big smile on my face when talking to Letty because I feel like we can uh, see eye to eye on a lot of things. Yeah. So it's like, I don't even have to say anything. Yep. But to uh, pronounce what I want to say is, you know, as productive or as many strides the country made in electing the first black president who happens to be a very light skin. And I always like to say, hey, if Barack was Akon's skin color, he wouldn't get the vote. But that's yep. my opinion. I say, you know, the country's still very, very sexist. And with it being very, very sexist, regardless of how I feel about Hillary or felt about Hillary, I did not believe she was going to win. Uh, and she didn't. And we saw it coming before America Hates Us. So our first design was actually Make America Great, sorry, Make America Hate Again hats, red hats that mimicked his Great Again slogan because we, we realized not that the country was perfect, but it would just get progressively worse with him as the president in charge. And so that's where we started with that shirt, sorry, with that hat, that message. And it didn't really kick off until after election night. Um, that's when it got, we got a buzz. Initially, like I mentioned before, um, 
we have uh, shippers in, in Phoenix that do the work, but I was doing all the shipping before. And so when I'm making 10 to 12 sales a week, it wasn't that hard for me to do it myself. But after election night 2016, which was my birthday, I'm going to put that out there. It was the <laughs> worst birthday ever. It was November 8, 2016, <laughs> wow. election night. And I went to this party. I'm going all over the place. I'm sorry. No, don't, don't apologize, please. Yeah, no. <laughs> I went to this party and everybody was super excited about Hillary winning. They thought I was a Debbie Downer because I was like, no, and she was up heavy and big lead and everybody's so excited. By 9, 10 p.m., people were crying on my birthday. And I was like, this is depressing. This is sad. And I was like, you know, ugh. as much as I knew it was going to happen, it's still kind of like, yeah, it's, it's going to be a rough ride. Yeah, I definitely remember that night because I turned the TV off around that time. Because I was like, mm -hmm. nope. Not going to watch any more of this. Like, I, I'm not witnessing this. Right. I was sick to my stomach. And I was like, I cannot even do this. And I woke up that night. It was like 1 or 2 a.m. Um, mm -hmm. My mom called me. And mm -hmm. her voice, she was just like, I cannot believe that they really did mm -hmm. elect him. Like, I feel like. I mean, I I definitely had a feeling that Hillary wouldn't win um, mm -hmm. because I've just studied enough history to understand how this was going to play out. Mm -hmm. um, but whenever I heard my mom's voice, it was like, oh, well, we're living it again. She's, I mean, yeah. my mom's 69 years old. Like, she's mm -hmm. lived through lots of presidents, right? Um, yeah. But that sucks that it was your birthday. Yes, it was horrible. <laughs> the uh, saving grace for it was not only necessarily the brand, I was also, aside from being one of the very few people that I knew that said he was going to win, I also was one of those people that said, if he wins, I'm leaving this country. And then he won, and I said, oh, well, man of my word, I'm going to leave the country. And where, where did you go? I went to Bogota, Colombia. Mm. You were like deuces i'm getting the hell out of this shithole because y'all yeah. thought i was playing but you thought mm. so yeah <laughs> you thought and I now i'm gone. I, was, <laughs> I was gone may after i think i mentioned my grandmother died may 18 mm -hmm. i had left literally like the next week and i just stayed longer because she was ill and getting better and back and forth and i had an aunt who was ill and getting better back and forth well ill she wasn't getting any better so it was just bad timing to leave because, you know, I wanted to be there for my mom and my, my siblings. And then when, you know, they both, you know, left us, I was on a plane and I had a one-way ticket and I said, I'm not coming back. That, so had, had you ever been to um, Columbia before? No, no, I have not, no. I, where I was clerking, um, my judge's staff had, uh, was predominantly Colombian. And so I'd always talk to them about going to Columbia and they said, you should go. And I said, yeah, then I'm going to go for two weeks. And they said, no, you can't go to Columbia for two weeks. Go for at least two months. I'm like, who goes to Columbia for two months? And they're like, no, you have to see everything. Like you need to see the whole country, the islands and the, uh, the beaches. And I was like, I was like, nah, I'm probably still going to do two weeks. But then this happened and I was like, I was done the clerkship. I had opportunities. I have no kids. Um, I have nothing holding me down financially to the state. So I had the opportunity to leave and I, 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 I used it, I took it.
Yeah, that's that's a lot. I mean, and it's but it just also sounds so freeing. Like it just sounds like I often think about what it feels like to wake up somewhere where I don't have the burden of being black in a country. Like mm-hmm. what that feels mm-hmm. like, right? Like what what is that like? Like did you feel different I did like you feel like there was a weight gone like what what was different for for you because this is something that I've honestly thought a lot about um listening to Mm. different black people um and also a lot of people think that this kind of stuff is recent right like a modern thing and I'm like no a lot Mm. of black people in history expatriated to get away and just to think like I mean James James Baldwin left your fave I was gonna say that yeah he was like I'm getting out of here like I cannot Mm. deal with y'all matter of fact he did twice like he was like I'm getting out Mm. of here and it's a freedom and there are just so many other black people in history um black writers um brown people throughout history who left because it was just a clarity outside of the country where they could write, where they could breathe, where they could just be, right? So yeah, yeah like what what was it like for you? So I want to tread lightly. I'm glad you asked what was it like for me because I'm sure my take or my experience is different. There's actually a page I want to show you. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it's of a Afro-Latina or, or Black uh, Latin woman. And she talks about her travels in South America and how she's not viewed as a Latina. She's viewed as a Black woman. And with that comes the um, discrimination and the profiling and et cetera, et cetera. And she actually listed Colombia um, as a place that she wasn't uh, in favor of. That was her experience and it's valid. My experience was different and doesn't, you know. So my experience in Colombia was, I don't know if it was right place, right time, but I was embraced from the jump. And I don't want to say that colorism doesn't exist because it does. Colorism is universal. I'm not say racism, is, but you know, for the large part, Colombians are Colombians. There's not too many white people, not black people. Dark Colombians are light Colombians. Obviously, um, uh, privilege exists. Um, but my take, let me get to the answer. I, I had a great time. I was embraced. I really felt um, how I feel in the U.S. now, where I, sometimes I feel like I'm invisible. Sometimes I feel like I'm a threat. In Colombia, I felt people just treated me like a regular person. And it was freeing. It was great to walk down the road and not feel the cops over my shoulders or feel like I'm going to be someone that will be stealing or be a threat. You know, I I got to come and go as I pleased. And I was treated with respect. and what I've found most uh, in common in South American countries compared to Europe, when I don't know the language, given effort is, a, is super appreciated. My time in Panama, my time in Cuba in the past, just trying the language, just trying it. They're super supportive. They want you to do well. They want you to have a good uh, experience so you could talk about the country positively compared to when I went to France and other places in Europe, Italy, where if you don't have the language down, they look at you with disgust or whatever. Again, my experience, I don't want to take it <laughs> away from anybody else visiting these countries. So Colombia was, Bogota in particular was great. I met some wonderful people who I'm still in contact with now. I had opportunity to sell my clothes out in several shops there. I had made 
connections that I still keep, and I would highly recommend everyone give it a try. You were, I just had so many thoughts that went through my head, but just the part like you were talking about with um, like walking around and not worrying about if someone's going to, you know, racially profile you and be like, oh, well, he's stealing or whatever. Like, I honestly think I'd be like, I would, that would be such an adjustment for me um, mm-hmm. to be able to just know, like, what is it like to just know, like, you can go into this place and you don't have to prepare yourself to possibly be followed, right? Like, yeah. what does, like, that's just, that's, I'm obviously having a hard time finding the words right now. But that's um, that's something that's just a just a oh like that's possible kind of thing for me. Sorry, I'm trying to find the words, but um, no, and I think I think what you're saying is a universal experience for most Black people in the U.S. where we do have this sort of ha- this mechanism that triggers like okay, I'm going to expect some bullshit going here. Yeah, like you can't just walk as I would not imagine the common white male person uh, can walk in free, have no expectations of anything bad going wrong, where we are on full alert. And that is no way to live, but yet we are, we are forced to live that way. Yeah, no, like for real. I mean, and we're talking about this today, whenever Trayvon Martin should be here on earth Mm -hmm. turning 26 and I mean, obviously I can see you right now. It's like you're you're wearing like a hoodie. And so all these thoughts are going through my mind just now. And it's um it's really why I get so frustrated whenever people talk about like economic privilege and all these things. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, but also it doesn't matter what I look like if I'm super dressed up, my hair is um acceptable, quote unquote, which is not throwed out and it's straight and because these European bullshit ideas of beauty. Um, yeah. If I go into like whenever I put on a hoodie and sweatpants and I have my hands in my pocket and I'm walking somewhere and I have a mask on, I'm a black person. That's a threat. Like that's yeah. that's the fit. And so that's why I just get really frustrated with people who think that this stuff is just, oh, well, you don't have to worry about it because you're you're you. No, it has nothing to do with it. Like we live in a country where it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much money, it just doesn't whenever you're black. Um, And so, yeah, I was just thinking about that whenever you were talking. I I think about uh, Henry Louis Gates. I think it was Obama's uh, first term. I think his first few weeks in office. He was, um, the police, his neighbors had called the police on him because he was trying to enter his own home. And uh, Henry Louis Gates, I doubt, was wearing a hoodie or wearing America Hates Us uh, dad hat. <laughs> he probably was in a suit. He was probably coming from work or, you know, what, it doesn't matter what he was doing. It was his property. Yeah. He could have been in, uh, in, in his underwear. Right. Should, people should be minding his own business. And then I was really upset with Obama for that whole beer gate thing where we're trying to comfort uh, white folks in, yeah. in terms of, you know, the cop made a mistake. It's like, no, the cops don't make mistakes. They're very, they're very programmed to do this. And then before Henry Louis Gates, we got to think about our ancestors that were wearing suits that, and they got hosed. They weren't wearing America Hates Us Blue Lives Murder hoodies. 
they had the most respect in terms of uh, uh, garments, and they were still, you know, disparagingly treated. And so we have to end that whole idea of assimilating because it's a sham. Yeah. And that's why I appreciate, you know, Fred Joseph gets on his his uh his stories every so often, and he's dressed just like me. He represents all levels of what black people can be whenever you want to be. Yeah. And vice versa, not vice versa, but KJ Burke's phenomenal young woman had posted a picture of uh, Trayvon today and Trayvon had two middle fingers up and she was saying this is a side of him that should still be respected. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to be, you know, a straight A student, even though he had really good grades. He doesn't have to be, I think he was entering like an uh, astronaut program or whatever. He was doing yeah. something high that, you know, people that are into uh, assimilation or looking at us in terms of like having our best foot forward, doesn't have to profile that 24 seven to be not a threat. Yeah, and no, so- yeah, I, I, I definitely get that because it, um, so for those of y'all who are listening before I press record, we were talking about humanity and it just, that makes me think about it. It's like, we, we are made to believe um, that you have to act a certain way and be a certain way so then whenever something happens to you, uh, you're, you're not to blame, right? It's, it's, it's like you were saying about Trayvon Martin, the picture with him holding up two middle fingers, like, so what? Like, so mm-hmm. what? He was a child. And yeah. that does not warrant what happened to him, right? Like, that, that doesn't justify anything. Like, oh, see, well, he, he was a bad kid. Are you kidding me? Are you mm. freaking kidding me? <laughs> like, that's, it just, in it just infuriates me because it's it's like people can look at that stuff. Um, white people look at that, and they're like, "Oh, see, well, if you had just if you had just obeyed, if you had just mm-hmm. dressed differently, if you had what kind of bullshit is that?" Um, and I'm and I'm I'm glad that we're having this conversation because it's a conversation that needs to continuously happen, and it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be a conversation where people think, "Oh." Well, because people are not talking about this and, oh, see, well, then we're, we're past it. Because I feel like we're mm-hmm. in a time right now where it's very easy for white people to get comfortable because, oh, yeah. uh, right? Because um, there's this uh, white savior complex with, with Joe Biden, of course. And, mm-hmm. of course, he has a, um, <laughs> a biracial vice president. So, mm-hmm. oh, oh, see, well, he's, he's not problematic. And he was Obama's mm-hmm. vice president. So everything's fine now and we're better and he's better. Yeah. Racism and white supremacy have gone nowhere. And also Joe mm-hmm. Biden is the same kind of white moderate that Dr. King warned us about. And I'm not sitting here saying that I um, am not glad that he's there because my thing was 45 needs to go. Um, like that, yeah. like he physically needs to go. But at the same time, it's like, <laughs> you can appreciate something and still criticize it, right? Like you, yeah, I course. need to do both. Mm, obviously ranting now, um, <laughs> which is something I feel like we are. And we should, do. we should be able to do that. It, there should be no objection. We're not saying we want Trump because we want, no, we're going to hold Biden and Kamala, uh, Vice President Kamala. We, we're going to hold them to what they say they're going to do what the people need and also you know I, I saw more celebrating that trump is gone because you know it was uh pure pandemonium and um <laughs> hoping for something better 
and that should be allowed. But at right. the same time, like if you want to go in on both them, you should. Yeah. Um, can I take a pause really quick? I yeah. just want to tell the audience um, we spoke about it before. I am we America hates us is very very excited to be on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> we've been following and sweating and appreciating uh, Letty for a very long time. We listen to her podcast. We get a lot of information. I, we highly encourage everybody to subscribe and support her. Oh, that was my you. little break because I didn't want to forget to say that. Oh, thank you so much. I, that really does mean a lot. And I'm not just saying that. Um, it truly means so much to me because like, I'm the one who runs all my social media. Like I do all my things. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I truly do care so much about the work that I do. It's exhausting, but I'm grateful for yeah. people like you because we honestly, when, I don't know when it happened. We just started like messaging, like DMing on Instagram um about yeah. like posts and things and now we <laughs> send voice texts and we both talk about our cats and um and we graduated <laughs> we, we definitely graduated the friendship we did we did and yeah. i'm just really appreciative of like you as well um because it's it's so easy to be on um instagram or twitter or wherever it is and have a large following and then think that, oh, well, then I don't, I don't need to do anything whenever it comes to communicating with people and building these relationships. And um, I'm just glad, yeah, I'm just really appreciative of like you as well. Uh, I plan on giving you more of my money to buy more things, um, <laughs> like more of your merch because um, y'all already have, okay, so I have the shirt that says, like, it's like the um, cuts of pig shirt um i have the shirt that says reparations for black people only wait which which hoodie do you have on it's it's cuts of pig oh hoodie yeah it pink. is yeah Thank yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um i have the white lives matter sure i have some buttons um you send me things you're a collector. huh you're a collector i am i am and i am excited to buy more things i've, I've been waiting because i want to buy like four things at one time and then post pictures with all of them on. That's uh, <laughs> what I we do. We greatly appreciate you. Yeah. Me, we appreciate you. We get excited. Like, I, uh, you post pictures and you'll just tag us, like, real low key. Like, it's not even the subject. And just, like, I get chills. Like, oh, that's so super dope that you're doing that. And then, like, yeah. you literally are around cool people. So, like, I have now, we now have a friendship with Weez and Maisha, like, texting or messaging Maisha, like, you people gravitate toward you so like if someone gets in good with letty just know that <laughs> you guys should really appreciate it if she lets oh. you in oh thank you that <laughs> i'm gonna get emotional no i'm serious like that means so much because where i am right now with like the work that i do like people don't know what i've gone through to get here um how many no's i've gotten like how much i've yeah it's just it's just really wonderful because um, a year, ooh, yeah, a year ago, I was, I did not have the following that I have. I did not have 41,000 followers. I did not have mm. a ton of podcast listens. I didn't have that. And, mm. but I kept pushing through because I was like, I know that my purpose is bigger than what I'm experiencing right now. Because I also wasn't working. I was trying to finish a second master's degree. And then whenever George Floyd was murdered, 
and white people in America decided they wanted to start to kind of care about racism. Um, that's never a thing. Kind of care. Right, kind of care. Um, because obviously it's a trend because people are like, oh, yes. it's fine now. Um, that's when things like really kicked off for me. And it was a lot of, it was very heavy at that time too, because it's kind of trauma. Cause we were also like just started being in the whole panorama. I love that. We actually mm -hmm. don't call it what it actually is. It's great. Um, <laughs> we don't call it a pandemic, <laughs> but, um, it was a lot. Right. And I was going through yeah. some personal life stuff and everything, but I say all that to say, I like truly got emotional one night, like last summer, because I was like, wow, like so much of what I prayed for and hoped for and waited for and the no's I've received have led me to where I am. And, and even to us and our friendship. Um, and yeah, whenever I tag you and stuff and everything, like I truly do that because I care. Like I, I want people to know about y'all. Like I want people to read what you post, to like support you, to shop like with you. I, I, I want people to do that. Um, because this is also how change happens. Like, and for me, I'm someone who's very selective about who I choose to give my time to. Um, yeah. and you're one of those people. So yeah. And we also share cat pictures. So it's fantastic. <laughs> Yes, we do. Yeah, you yeah. help me a lot with these cat struggles. It's, it's it's a rough life. People don't you know don't get us, but it is tough. They really don't. And I have three cats, and so it was funny because you're like, "How do you do this with three cats?" Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, your cat has the energy of three, so." Well, yeah. I hope he slows down. Were your cats very? Were they? I feel like the. <laughs> I feel like we could talk a separate podcast about our pets. And I know. I still think we could garner an audience for it, but um, were they tough to do? Did you get them as kittens? Yeah. Um. Okay. So yeah, my orange cat Langston, named after Langston. I love the name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. We actually have the same birthday, and I didn't know until after yeah. I adopted him. Yeah. Um, okay. But he'll be five this year, and it's funny because the day that I adopted him, we walked into the um, pet store. And I was like, I want an orange tabby. I had already been to like three different pet stores. And there was mm -hmm. this little kitten being held by this lady. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's one that I want. And he was mm -hmm. meowing a lot. And now five years later, almost, I'm like, okay. So she didn't have him out of the cage because he was cute. It's probably because mm -hmm. he was meowing so much and was a nuisance because he's still like that. <laughs> But we're so similar. Like, me and him are very similar. Yeah. Um, we speak our own language. Like, he'll be mm -hmm. like, love me. But sometimes he's like, don't even get near me. Like, I don't want to Leave even... me alone. Yes. He's love me like... or leave me alone. Yes. And he's honestly like, stay six feet away from me. Like, he's like, get mm -hmm. out of the way. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, that is my cat. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And then, yeah, then there's Jasmine. Um, she's the um, calico. She's 15 mm. pounds and she's only turning oh, five wow. this year. Yeah, I know. Um, but she's sweet. She's like the mom of them all. And um, then there's Maisie, who's part mm. Maine Coon, but she's very small. So we think that there's like just some Maine Coon in her. Um, mm. But yeah, those are the those are my cats. And so what is your cat's name? My cat's name is David Walker's cat. Yeah. Um, D-A-V-I-D. W-A-L-K-E-R, cat. 
Yes, and, uh, and I want you to say it for people to hear you because, I mean, obviously, I know your cat's name, but I wanted them to hear it because, y'all, it really is all lowercase and there's no spaces. So it's David yes. Walker's cat. Like, it's and, one word. <laughs> and I get a lot of confusion from the vet where they're like, what's your cat's name? Like, David Walker's cat. They're like, oh, David Walker. No, it's David Walker's cat. Wait, <laughs> who? Wait, what? And it's like, no, that's the name. I'd like you to spell out the whole name. Respect the cat's name. Um, yeah, an, another tidbit because I think it's very important for people to do homework and understand history, not necessarily black history, but just history. Look up David Walker, not David Walker's cat, David Walker. Um, that's why I named my cat David Walker. He's a very, I wouldn't say well-known, but known to me and Letty and others, uh, slave abolition, abolitionist. And him and Henry Howling Garnett were like, my faves growing up or not necessarily growing up in college reading about these guys because I, I felt like they were overshadowed or not discussed we more get talks of martin and malcolm but i felt like these guys were like the mark the, the 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 x before x and they were telling i mean i want y'all to look it up but they were telling white folks we want our freedom or you have to get out of the way yeah and also fun fact about David Walker, um, he was born here in Wilmington, North Carolina. Mm, yeah, yes. right? I know. And I remember I found that out like years ago, and I was like, wait, what? David Walker mm -hmm. was born here? But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you said that, though. Because, um, and, and I think that's important. Like, it just shows the depth of your thought process, <laughs> even with like naming your cat. Um, <laughs> And I think that that's something to highlight just about you as a person. But yeah, I mean, people need to go Google David Walker and read David, David Walker's appeal. Um, yes. Yeah, people need to go read that. Uh, because the work that we see black people doing in the country mm -hmm. today, like, y'all, that's not new. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you echoed that. I'm glad you echoed that. These aren't new these aren't new slogans these are things that have been passed down and yes we may have remixed them but we have been fighting and arguing and saying the same thing and this is why i really like your platform because you're an educator and i i really kind of doesn't bother me but it's kind of strange when i see uh folks arguing with you <laughs> as if they have any sort of uh background or experience or education and you're a whole ass educator yeah. with degrees on degrees <laughs> and you notice patterns in history so like a lot of things don't surprise you and people are like oh, how could this happen not not the america i know and you're like well if you refer back yep. to all this it's yep. the america you know you just weren't yeah no but it, it, so many people try to do that with me and if i i mean had i been no not had i been if i was the letty that i was in 2000 12 just now starting grad school who's, sure. who, who's that which lady is that Dude, oh my god did you come out did you come she out during the podcast? <laughs> she was a different lady she was um i was not at that time i was not the historian that i am now like i started grad hmm. school january of 2012 i had graduated undergrad in um may 2011 and i didn't know necessarily like what i wanted to do i knew that i wanted to go back to school but i was like oh i'll just wait another year and then i was like no i yeah. can't do that um but yeah uh it's i to to like to become a historian people don't know like what that means it's it's not just mm -hmm. that i love history that is not it mm -hmm. um being a historian like getting my master's in history was like 
it wasn't just going and writing a paper about the Black Panther Party. It wasn't just about writing a paper about Fred Hampton. It was like, mm -hmm. no, you need to read all that's been said about this, and then you need mm -hmm. to argue something original. Like, that's never been said. Yeah. And dig in, like, the primary sources and all this stuff. Like, I went to the archives in, like, D.C. twice um, mm -hmm. to do research. I've requested archives from different colleges across the country, like, all kinds of stuff. And it was a lot of... It was a lot of sleepless nights. It was a lot of mm -hmm. um, challenging myself. Like that was the best life decision mm -hmm. I've ever made. I <laughs> like it really did help me in so many ways because there was a lot of life happening then for me too, and it was just a lot of growth. I mean, I was I was twenty I was twenty two. Um, was was I twenty two? No, sorry, I was I was twenty three. Twenty two. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, it was just a lot of like finding my voice and defending what I'm saying because also whenever I would have classes so I'm a grad student right and um, I was a grad assistant meaning that I also helped with three other history classes um, mm -hmm. and I would occasionally teach if I, the professor couldn't be there um, I also took three classes every semester and each class you sat and you talked for three and a half hours mm. um, yeah, it's like three nights a week you would have. Yeah, it was like, it, it, it wasn't testing. There there were no, like, multiple choice tests. No, it was your assignments or papers every week. Uh, long papers at the end of each, like, semester. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot of growing and, and a lot of um, learning that I'm going to have to work even harder to be a black woman and a historian. Um, and yeah. one of my mentors, Dr. Glenn Harris, I, he used to hound me. Like he used to like not let me get away with anything. Um, if I read a book and I wanted to like, talk to him about it and I would think, oh, but here's all these other things that I did and I've looked in like the footnotes and I found all these sources and all this stuff. He'd be like, so what did you read? And I would tell him like, I, mm -hmm. I just told you what I read, bro. Like what, what are you talking about? And then he'd be like, no, tell me what you read. What are, yeah. the hell are you talking about? I, I, I just told you, right? But it was like, he that was molding me to be like the historian that I am. And that's why whenever people come at me on like social media and they're like, oh, but what about this? I'm like, I literally have something to say back to you. And it's not just yeah. like a comeback with my opinion. It's literally <laughs> like a fact. Like I don't, like, facts, I, yeah. yeah, like I remember a lot. Like my, my memory is phenomenal. Um, I don't even know how, but I'm glad that it is. Uh, it's a blessing and a curse, honestly. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. like, I'm saying all that because, yeah, people want to be right, right? They, 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 they want to challenge me and be like, oh, but did, like, you know about this? And, no, I don't know everything, right? Like, I don't want mm -hmm. people who are listening, I mean, people who listen to my podcast, y'all already know that I'm not someone who tries to act like I know it all. But I do yeah. know a hell of a lot. And I can connect so many things, and there's just there's so much depth to history. Like it's 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 not just the two layers even under the surface. It's you you've got to be able to connect the dots. And if like if if someone tells me like oh like can you like connect like John Brown and Teddy Roosevelt and John Lewis? Yes, I can right now. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> like because I just know how to how to see history like how to research history. Um, I'm rambling again, but I just get very passionate about it because like whenever people say like, oh, like 
I'm a history lover and I study mm. history. I'm like, I am not a history. No, I am a history lover. Yeah. But I'm a historian. I'm like, there, like, this is a craft, right? Um, like, just because I, I studied some law in history doesn't mean that I'm a lawyer. And it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Like, I can study segregation yeah. law and Jim Crow laws and different and different laws throughout the like Supreme Court with racism and all these things, but it doesn't mean that I'm an attorney. It doesn't mean that, right? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, but it is funny because they'll also comment on stuff and be like, "Why are they doing this?" <laughs> yeah, it's just I, I, I don't get. It. I don't know if they're bots, and if that's the case, and you know that's what bots do. But they're really people just have their whole chest out arguing with you, and they have no idea what they're talking about. And then they're not even open to being challenged, to being told something that they don't know. They're just so convinced. Yeah. I don't know where they found the source, whatever poor Google search they made. But, and, you know, you had made a point about how it's a blessing and a curse. And I completely agree with you because, and this is going to sound really strange, but sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, very few times, I kind of envy those that, don't know so much or are ignorant to things because you know they can just go on fine with the way things are they're not they're not thinking about how things are so fucked how how systems are set up and put in place to disparage folks of all backgrounds they just shrug their shoulders and keep going and to me it's it kind of it, it kind of must be comforting to, to, to go along life and not be feeling what we feel at times. Yeah. Yeah. I have that thought like often. Um, I mean, I'm, I have such a passion for this stuff, but it's sometimes I'm like, I wish that I liked math um, or <laughs> <laughs> and didn't find, um, I didn't have this feeling of want to, for people to be better, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I have that thought. And I'm like, what is that like, right? Like, what what does that feel be like? <laughs> yeah. It must be like, what's it like to not be mentally exhausted from things that you read, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so- I took yeah. a course in, in college, uh, I took two courses, racing class and racing society. And um, I would say before that class, not that I was ignorant to things, but I definitely wasn't thinking consciously about a lot of things i wasn't thinking race a lot of things and now i'm all always thinking about that because it's always a factor it, it plays in some way uh more or less every day yeah. but i would say prior without studying history you can be very ignorant to that stuff and not think oh this is this is incidental this wasn't purple no this stuff is designed this stuff is out there yeah. Yes. Design. God, that's such a good word. Yes. Design. That's exactly what it is. Like this isn't, this isn't just, oh, okay, well, these are just a couple of things that are going on and that's it. It's like, no, um, that's why I never, mm-hmm. I'm educating people. I'm like, it's about dismantling the system. It's the, the whole thing. Like yeah. there are people are like, does everything have to revolve around race? Yes. White people, because y'all made it that way. Y'all did this. Yeah. Like you did yeah. this. Right. Um, and which is also, this is, I just had a thought about this and it's kind of really like what we're saying. It's like, whenever, it's like whenever people say, well, what about people in Africa who also sold slaves? Mm-hmm. I truly 
want i i get so frustrated with that Be because the thing is people don't even understand how um they 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 don't know african history right they no. don't know african culture right like they don't they, they... And they also believe Africa is one country. Oh my god! Compared to not being one country, it's yes. Thank you. Like people are like, oh, it's a country. It's an entire continent, and you can fit the United States in it like five times. And it's so. Whenever people have that argument, I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. okay. Like I truly am just like okay because there's usually nothing else to say after that. Like that's what yeah. I, I I like do to people too. I'll usually like repeat things back to them, and then I'm like, yeah, because you have nothing else to say, and that's that's mm -hmm. your one thing that you have is that. Because I've tried with people, I'm I'm like, right. So do you what what else about that? And they're like, oh, mm -hmm. well, they they just sold slaves too. I'm like, do you know that there's different as like people in the like people here are like different tribes. Like they are not the same. Yeah. And so I'm like, you don't even understand that. And matter of fact, African history is something that I want to learn more about. Um, I was actually Googling today, like some books, and I was Googling specifically for like black authors and African authors about uh, like the best books to read about it and like things like that. Because I want to really start doing that more. Um, but yeah, I just yeah. hate that. Because I'm like, what else I do think you even have Kendi even Kendi has a good, uh, I'm going to forward to you. I might have forwarded to you in the past. And Sam, from the beginning, there's an excerpt in the book where he talks about that argument uh, of saying, well, Africans sold slaves too. And he, he pinpointed the, the what we're, we're discussing now in terms of no, Africans didn't just sell slaves. There was a unique country or two that took part in it, but that does not reflect. And so that, it, you know, all this stuff is related. Like today, how we cannot be seen as individuals. If I do something, it's gonna reflect on Letty. If Letty does something, it's reflect on my, my sister. Whereas white people are allowed to be individuals. Kyle Rinhouse, I'm not looking at my neighbor down the block who's white and saying, oh, you one of them Kyle Rinhouse type boys. Like, mm -hmm. no, they're allowed to be individuals and, and judge for the individuality where as you and I, we get clumped. Yes. You are from North Carolina, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Mm -hmm. You do something, I'm gonna sit at home saying, well, look what Letty did. She made she sent us back. And that is a huge problem that I have. You know, and it goes into the line of black on black uh, crime, which is a myth. Um, that troubles me because we have no individuality. We we are not seen as Tadic or Letty. We're seen as a group of black people that we have the the Oprahs and the Baracks and everybody gotta be like them yep. or bust. Mm -hmm. Whereas, who's missing right now? Kyle Rittenhouse? Can't find him? He did no. some bad stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And that's such a, but you're spot on with that. Because then also what happens, to take it like a step further, what happens is whenever people um, who are iconic, like John Lewis, pass away, right? Mm -hmm. Then they want to be like, oh... Well, he was just well-loved. I'm like, y'all literally tried to kill him multiple times. Like, you literally tried to kill him multiple times. And mm -hmm. like, he almost died on the Edmund Pettus Bridge on March 7th, 1965. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and even before that, in like Nashville, Tennessee, in like Atlanta, Georgia, right? And it's like, whenever a black person who is seen as, oh, but they were the good one. I'm like, no, mm -hmm. y'all were... <laughs> 
and like you don't get to 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 pick and choose right and you don't get to do that to absolve your white guilt and to try to put yourself in this limelight of oh see but we did love and care about him it's like no you didn't mm -hmm. because you want him together with like all the like all the other black people the same way like they do us and so right. it is true like i don't walk around thinking oh y'all are the cow written houses right but mm -hmm. we're expected and i say we're expected not because of us but we're expected by white people to represent all of us I'm like you're not a monolith like just no. because you yes. do something doesn't mean that i'm going to do it too um and it's just been a way to continuously perpetuate racism and it's always been that yeah. way yeah i mean you can look at and i don't want to say on this i don't want to talk about this person at all but just to make a point with the whole picking and choosing you can look at someone like candace owens and white people could say well look at this look at this this good negro why can't everybody be like her because you know they ha she has the ethics of embracing white supremacy so it's very comforting or you know they ma she makes white people feel comfortable because she antagonizes and and, and, dis and disparagingly talks of about black people we're not a monolith exactly right and um that immediately made me think about like slavery and whenever enslaved black people uh, were the Candace Owenses of the field or of the plantation. Um, and that's why you had said it earlier, everything connects. And it absolutely mm. does. Because whenever people do things like that, right? And I'm just going to mention her again real quick. But Candace Owens, <laughs> I'm just like, okay, this is the same way that your ancestors, white people, used to justify uh, why a lot of enslaved black people should get almost beaten to death because you tried to run away or you're disobeying. Why, why can't you be like that one? Why can't you be yeah. like that? And it's a lot of trauma goes along with that. A lot of, like, there's, there, there's just, that's a whole other podcast episode, to be honest, but it just made me think about that because people look at it in such an isolated way. Right, and I'm like, it's, yeah. it's not isolated. This white supremacy idea is not isolated. Um, but yeah, it's just, oh God. I saw her book in the store the other day too, and I was like, vomit. Um, but anyway, it is Owen, man. And oh, and then another thing real quick, just in general, which I feel like you've seen this on Instagram too, but remember people are like, oh my gosh, like why? why is this person like that? Or, oh, like, why do people listen to them? Or why? And it, it just frustrates me when people ask why things happen, how mm. they're happening, or why is this? Don't ask me why. Do not ask yeah. me why. <laughs> I do not, because I am over here having to deal with it. Y'all go ask yeah. yourselves why. Go gather your people, right? Gather your people. Absolutely right. I mean, honestly, truly. Uh, I mean, yeah. if we want to dip into Tony Morrison's bag real quick, it's like, literally, this is your problem. Keep me out of it. Yes. But no. Yes. Mama they won't keep us out of it. No. They won't keep us out of it. No. Um, and that's that's something that I think about often with with America as a whole. It's like. And and Toni Morrison mentioned that. Matter of fact, in in that same interview that like you were just talking about, 
where she was like, what are you without racism? Like, mm. are you any good? Right? And I love whenever she asks it like that because her facial mm-hmm. expression is like, hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just, I love... So poignant. I love it too. <laughs> oh, yes. I love it. And, but it's true, right? Like, what is this country without racism? Like, what, what yeah. is this country without white supremacy? Um, mm-hmm. I, I know what I wish it could be, right? I think that's a, that's a critical thing that we have to, and not, and I mean, we as America as a whole, but specifically white America needs to wrestle with is, yeah, like what are you without racism? And mm-hmm. not just the racism that is the overt, what I mean is like the, the covert, the, covert, the, yeah. the policies, the laws, the, all of it, all of it, like the, the foundation, like how strong are you with, without that? Um, which makes me think of a question for you, like, who are you in this country? Like, um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, no, I was going to say like, who, and I, and I know that like before I press record, we were talking about this, but, um, it's something that I just really thought about for quite a while last night. Like who even am I in, in this country? Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I'm curious to see what like you say about that. Uh, uh, that's a tough question. I'm I'm glad uh, you asked it, and I'm I'm pretty sure after I answer this, the answer and my thoughts on it may change, which is a good thing. Um, but who am I in this country? I'm a a black male, um, educated. I have a license to practice law. I have people that are dear to me. I have a country or I'm part of a country or I belong to a country that sees me as lesser than. Um, I do not feel like a first class citizen in my own country, never have. I actually feel more adored and appreciated and loved outside of America, uh, 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 specifically in uh, South American countries and in the West Indies, uh, you know, what have you. But I don't feel like I'm embraced by the country that so many people, mostly white people, embrace and feel a part of. The whole idea of the American flag uh, standing out my window or on my porch is is strange to me because I don't feel the values of America reflect me or I don't think I was considered uh, when values were set for this country. I, in fact, I know um, I wasn't considered. And that's why I, I, I don't like to get into the debate in terms of like when laws are written and rules are made because I guarantee you when a lot of these old laws were written, they were not having Letty's in the room. They were not considering Letty. They, Letty was an afterthought, you know, I was not on the table of, of rights, of liberties. And so, you know, I, I do feel like progress has been made, you know, but it's a, it's a whole uh, concept of two steps uh, forward, one step back. I feel a lot more stuff needs to be uh, done. And back to our point with regard to folks like Baldwin leaving the country and coming back, I, I, I got it and, and then couldn't get it because he had a ticket to just be done with it, but he still had something calling him back. And I guess in respect, I had something calling me back in terms of family and loved ones, but 
I think I could be fine without this country. And I think I could be, I think I could grow further and, 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 and be better and love myself and appreciate myself more. And like when I was living in Colombia, America hates us, took off. Part of me leaving was kind of scary because I thought if I left the U.S. home base where I was doing all the work for the brand, that the brand would fall off. But I said, well, I need to put myself first. I need to put my um, health and my safety and my well-being and my state of, you know, my mental health uh, first. And so I thought, okay, it'll be a sacrifice for the brand, but it could be temporary. We can work something through. And the brand, I, I guess because I was not on location in the States, my social media game got better. I was more attuned to things that I didn't think or things I thought I was good at. I, I got better. And then I was also had less stress or less, you know, you know, it's, it's such hustle and bustle in the States and, you know, the, what they say, a rat race and, you know, people are stepping over each other. In Colombia, I was able to relax and I was able to think more critically. I was able to make you know, better designs than I ever made before. I was able to uh, read and reflect and and not feel pressured. And I advise, I highly encourage every Black person that has means, that can afford it, and has the opportunity to, to leave the United States. See what else is out there. I'm not saying that you're promised uh, a much better life out of the States, but you're giving yourself an opportunity. Did I answer the question? We can just talk for like over an hour. We can. About so much, but. And we're, and we're restricting ourselves. We're not even talking about the fur babies. Yo, I know. Like I had to make myself stop talking about the cats because. Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all, I even will send, like we, we send TikToks to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> Like yeah. my my TikTok like for for you page I don't know what like the the kids call it but and I say that now because I yeah. can say that now like I don't know what the kids do because it really is a whole other yeah. thing now but there it's seventy five percent cats like cat videos yeah it's it's like cats food DIY black people yeah. and humor mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's what my TikTok is. But yeah, we we really have elevated our friendship, haven't we? Come a long way. Yeah, I mean, I so I I have a, uh, a I use the close friends um toggle on uh, inside these stories, and a lot of times I post food or like bake bakeries or whatever I go to, and Lenny's like, "You got to take me there when I come out to Brooklyn. We're going there." I'm like, "Yeah, no doubt. We're definitely going there." Like that's yes. literally the friendship that I never hope for with social media i was just trying to get out here to promote the brand but like i made friendships with i want to say so many people because i didn't mm-hmm. but very few people that have been cool that like you match your persona online yeah and so that is a gift with among you may see you and i both post i hate it here because <laughs> it it does suck for the most part uh instagram in particular but like the, the bonds that we've gotten from not even just people with big platform, people with small platform, people with n- no followers, but just cool ass people. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Like, I'm so grateful for the friendships I made. And I'm, I'm serious about that food thing. Okay. I'm coming to New York 
and I'm gonna need all the food because truly the that's food. where most of my money goes is food and bills. So mm. there's that. Um, but yeah, y'all, he really will post stuff, and I'm like, I'm gonna need that. I'm gonna need that. There's a place <laughs> he had posted, and it was like rainbow bagels or like something mm-hmm. like that. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, bread! Like I can eat bread with every meal all the time by itself. And I was like, okay. And there's something like, yeah. So basically anytime y'all, like he posts food, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go there. And then recently though, I even said like, I'm sorry in advance that your cat is going to get more attention. That's fine. I'm I'm used to it right now. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to tell you, except your cats can get more attention. But yeah, I, I really do want to go and visit y'all. Um, before this year is up, preferably in the next few months. But Autumn wanted to say hi. Autumn, let me get, let me run through my team. Yes, is that okay? yes, yes, please. Uh, so Autumn, funny story about her. Um, she's the lead uh, media lead for the brand. She does a lot of the um, uh, digital stuff, stuff that I'm stuff that the kids do that I don't do <laughs> and not too familiar with. But she's really <laughs> an expert with it. Um, I met her funny enough. She saw Scotty Bean, who's a radio personality in New York, wear our Believe Women shirt. And she wanted to find out, like, the maker of the brand or whatever. So we had an interview, and she interviewed me. And she just showed so much, like, enthusiasm for the brand, where I just kept in contact with her. I followed her um, her uh, editorial, the Queen, the Queen Session. And I love what she's doing in terms of promoting Black women, because, you know, Black women are few and far between promoted and highlighted and loved and that's what she wanted to do with her show uh or her segment and um our relationship developed out of it where we had her volunteer for a wrinkle in time event we had where we invited 150 plus black girls to go see a wrinkle in time because representation representation matters representation isn't the only thing but it still matters and she just showed so much passion uh behind our efforts and so we uh, asked her if she wanted to be, you know, a member of the team. And so Autumn was very pivotal when I was living in Columbia because she did a lot of stuff on site. You know, we had a lot of, back in the day when we were allowed outside and could do things, um, Autumn was, was, uh, was steering the lead in terms of events and meet and greets and seeing the community and getting to know people and doing, and doing free stuff. Um, so she's super essential to the squad. Then we have Ashley, who is our managing editor. I don't know if you guys know this, um, but we have a Patreon. America hates us, and we want you guys all to subscribe to it. Yes. Um, there we, there we, um, we have mostly Black femme writers, creative people, produce content, and the content we pay them. Um, before we were the at the number we are now in terms of supporters or followers. We had people do things on volunteer basis, and you know, we'd give them clothing because that's all we could afford. But now we've hit another echelon. No, we are not super big. Uh, we're not aiming to get super big, but we love the fact that we can pay people. We love the fact we can pay black folks, especially black femmes. And so Ashley is super pivotal in terms of uh, uh, she's the managing editor, so she selects what gets published, and we have. A, a host of phenomenal writers. We just dropped something on uh, Fred Hampton today, and um, well, it dropped a few days ago. But on the Patreon, if you are a member, you get it early. And but we also make it public for everybody because we understand that not everybody can afford things, or not necessarily afford things, but 
they can't afford the monthly service. So sometimes we leave it free for a day or two, or sorry, for like three or four days so people could read what's on the Patreon. But Patreon, I feel like I'm just speaking really, really fast. I'm going to slow down. Uh, patrons can uh, enjoy the luxury of getting things early and having them forever. Uh, so Ashley is super cool. And we met Ashley years ago. She did an event for us. And she's always been super supportive of the brand. And so that's kind of how it works. It's like people show some sort of um, interest and then they big us up and then we see what they're doing and we love what they're doing. And we say, hey, let's let's get together. Let's work something. Let's work. And we also have an amazing young uh, phenom tennis player who is a cousin of mine. Her name is Solan. She's our intern, uh, soon to be full time. She does an exceptional job running the Patreon. She actually does posts for the brand. We're going to unveil her soon. Uh, she's 16. She is a straight A student, great tennis player from Trinidad, left Trinidad, not to work for us, but left Trinidad because her, her tennis skills are so great. So she's playing tennis in Florida. She homeschools and she just kicks butt all day on the tennis court and still gives us time to do things. And we can pay a 16 year old uh, uh, young woman uh, a paycheck because she is um, uh, uh, so important, so valued for the brand. Um, and that's what it's about. We generally, ha we mostly have our Patreon so we can pay folks because folks should be paid for their services. And we sell our clothes to make more clothes and build wealth, uh, sorry, not build wealth, but build revenue for the brand so we can do things. Like we often can do giveaways, often we can pay for things for folks that can't normally afford it. And then we also do donations and we donate to uh, sub organizations, plenty in the past, but right now it's No White Saviors uh, by No White Saviors. Uh, the Free People Project with Ebony Janice and Fred's, um, gosh, my memory, Fred's group. I will get to it. Gosh, where's my memory right now? All I'm thinking about Fred, is Fred's book. That's all that's coming to my head. Well, the Black Friend is uh, the Black Friend uh, by Fred was a collaboration project we had, where we made a shirt that you might have seen Letty in Accountability, and we decided to combine uh, the book and shirt, or book and hat, or book and hoodie giveaway, or not giveaway, but book and hoodie um, joint uh, purchase, and the money goes to Fred's organization, which is losing my mind right now. Is it? Um, um, but yeah, we, we have stories. We, we have stories. Thank you, Letty in the clutch, uh, saving me. Uh, that, uh, you know, when I get caught up in so many words, it's like, I need to pause and think about what I'm saying. But Fred has been super dope. Uh, we met him virtually uh, two years ago when I was living in Colombia. He saw what we were doing. He saw the Believe Women shirt. And he said, oh, I reached out to him. I asked him if he'd like to wear it. He said, definitely. I'm going to wear it everywhere. I'm going to be on TV. I'll do it. And he wasn't asking for anything in exchange. He just liked the passion. He liked the the, the, the the movement that America Hates Us has. So we decided years, a year or two after that to make him our ambassador. And he said yes. And the partnership has been great. We got to meet Fred last year in 2020 when we didn't really get to meet too many people. He came over with his dog and his lady, Portia. And we just had a, a great night just chatting it up and talking about being black in America and like understanding that these conversations don't just happen on social media. They happen in the, in the, in the privacy of your own home. And so Fred is instrumental, super great guy. 
we super love him and appreciate him. And there's so many other folks that that just help the brand be the brand. And with regard to our Believe Women shirt, um, I'm often asked how we came up with it. During my second year of law school, I clerked for an anti-trafficking clinic. Sorry, I worked at an anti-trafficking clinic. And um, most of the folks, the survivors there, uh, we I'd interview them, prepare them for... Um, um, prepare them for court, prepare them for cross questions that the, the defense attorneys would ask them. And um, uh, I, I wanted to get a sense of why they never reported. Um, you know, it's famous now or very popularized now in terms of why I didn't report hashtag and me too and all, and all that jazz. Um, but I, I got the uh, privilege of speaking to folks that actually were or trafficked, or uh, sexually abused, um, assaulted, and I was just very curious the why folks, you know, I was second year of law school, and I, you know, I, you know, you don't know something unless you, you you see for yourself, you ask for yourself, and I was just very curious why a lot of survivors didn't report, and they said, well, we feared no one would believe me, believe them, and I was like, you know, being very ignorant at the time, I was like, well, you have a very solid case you have facts and you have evidence that suggests that you were abused and they're like yeah all that all that does means nothing when the police don't believe me when family doesn't believe me and it was heartbreaking to me because it was like i couldn't imagine someone i cared for you know again being ignorant to the factors at play you know you and i always talk about patterns in history and this stuff isn't new um yeah but it was just very hurt it was just very hurting to hear um, that folks conceal the worst kinds of abuse because they fear that they wouldn't be believed. And so it sparked, it, although Believe Women wasn't the first design we came up with, I've always thought about the fact that women survivors should be believed and that they're generally not believed. And that is the cause for most of them not speaking up. And usually not speaking up within a certain time frame is used against them in a negative way and there's so many factors at play of why folks don't speak up right away. And then we have so many up, we see so much time in history where people have spoken right away to be ignored or um, uh, uh, asked whether they provoked something or whatever. So then it's like you you are meant to go through trauma twice, once from right. your abuser, and then once from the folks that are supposed to protect you. And so the shirt just symbolizes hey, I am going to be an ally advocate on behalf of you. If they're saying they don't believe you, I will believe you. I, I will give you the benefit of doubt because I get so much pushback, mostly from men, no surprise, but every so often from fans. But I think uh, when fans get pushback, I really think patriarchy is playing its part. There is such a small number of folks that actually lie about being assaulted it's a very very small number compared and so we're going to say you heard one woman in georgia make up a lie and that's going to reflect somebody in north carolina and to me that is super disturbing because that person does not reflect the women we're going to talk about black people are not a model women are not a model we cannot say the account of a one person lying reflects on all women. 
Right. We're survivors in general. And so I'm okay. It sounds really bad if you don't really think it through. I'm okay and, and totally under, understand that, yes, the possibility that someone or some folks may lie. I, I, I get it. There's a large number that are telling the truth. And we should give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not saying we can't do an investigation. I'm not saying to that we're not supposed to be thorough in terms of uh, uh, finding things out. But I'm saying from the outset, they should be believed. And mm-hmm. that was the that was the that's what our the message believe women uh, means. Yeah, and I think Kai, you we could do. I'm trying to have you back on the podcast to just have a conversation about that because <laughs> the fact that you are a black man in this country talking about this and this way um, really just um, it really just strikes me in a way I it I can't even find the words because <laughs> um, it's not like you like struck a nerve because that's 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 not it it's the opposite of that like the positive of that like mm-hmm. the fact that you see it that way um is just yeah because you're right people like what and then i this is all coming out um choppy y'all and i know that it is and i wish people could actually see my face right now because i'm it's trying, authentic though um it's, it's because, authentic though yeah it's um be, because why is it that people that the first thing people want to do is not believe women right like Mm -hmm. because that's like what i like that's what i like to do with people so i'm like well why why don't you believe her Mm -hmm. like why right because when people are asked that question they have to face themselves if they truly choose to do that they have to answer that question yeah like why not because if it was your daughter or your partner or whoever you would want people to believe them. So why is it mm. right? So thank you for going into that. Um, because the, you, the fact that you like you've witnessed this stuff and you've you've heard these stories, you've seen it, and that is an entire I mean an entire conversation about the entire like criminal justice system and how it's the criminal injustice system, and it's just mm. the injustice system. Really, take the word criminal out of it, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, um, I'm glad that y'all have that on a shirt. I'm glad that Believe Women um, is there because whenever we think about it, it is, yeah, it is like we need to believe women. Um, and whenever I think about it, matter of fact, the first thought that I had whenever you were talking about it was so often, and I'm centering black women right now, um, yeah. Our bodies were not ours. Um, and mm. we see it happening with black women still, like our bodies still aren't ours whenever it comes to believing us. And then we think about women, right? And and brown women and white women. And then this is why I have an issue whenever people say these things like, oh, well, we're for women. And like, but you're not for women. You're, you're not mm. for women whenever you choose patriarchy every time. You aren't for women. Like... <laughs> You're if yeah, like I said, it could be an entire podcast episode by itself. Um, 
I really feel like I have a lo- I have a plethora of book recommendations, but I would say one of the most impactful books I read was uh, Feminist Theory um, by Bell Hooks. That really changed because I've always felt like I've been an advocate for the marginalized women in particular, but um, Feminist Theory really breaks down what feminism was or what it's meant to be and how it's not how it appears uh, currently today. And I think the whole fact of the lack of believing women, I mean, it, it, it talks about just the roles that men play in terms of being allies or being protectors or, or just being proper human beings. Um, but like the whole concept believe women and, and to your point with regard to black women and especially, that's why the R. Kelly's of the world exists for so long because they're not seen as individuals, they're seen as, as, as body parts. Yeah. They're seen as lesser than, and you have the Weinsteins, you have the Cosby's, you have, and I'm going to say it, and you have the T.I.'s, where, where these men of such powerful influence are, are pillars of the community, are righteous men, appear to be holier than thou. I mean, but like, if we look at T.I., we saw the mess he got caught up in uh, a few years ago with his daughter in terms of checking her hymen and seeing she is still pure or, you know, still a virgin. And so it, the, the the stuff that has come out of, with regard to him doesn't surprise me, but what also doesn't surprise me and super disappointed is like how the news has faded away so quickly because he has influence, because he has connections with the Shade Room and all the places that would exploit or uh, um, put his business on front street as they would say are quiet because they don't want to stop they don't want the the cash cow to stop right and you know what happens more and more black women are abused yes and that's why a lot of them stay in hiding that's why a lot of them have to come out uh anonymously and it's it's sickening and i'm super happy that i can say i'm i'm fine never listening to ti again i'm okay with it yeah same i mean i i haven't i don't know the last time i listened to like r kelly like i don't mm-hmm. i don't i just don't even know like i deleted all the music question for you yeah how do you and and you can be completely honest if you just walk away when folks and i'm sure you've heard it before and folks tell you well you know it's you gotta separate the artist from the man and you know r kelly did do some good but think about all the good music and it's like if I had it here, I'd pull it out. I hate that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, people definitely say that stuff, right? And usually my response, if I even give them a response, usually my response is, um, oh, you you mean the way that y'all don't separate black people from being criminals or y'all don't want to separate us mm. dying with police brutality mm. you mean like like mm. that i don't care about your feelings in that moment um but anyway i just want to say thank you for all of those thoughts but most importantly for being on my podcast um thank you and just thank you for being you out here y'all i will have all of the information about uh, their Patreon, their website, all the things. If you follow me on Instagram, um, you will see me in their merch. And no, I'm not like 
someone who's paid to wear this stuff, I truly do buy it. Um, cause I want she does. She does. <laughs> yeah. Like this is not a, like, we're going to pay you to represent. No, it's a true, genuine, like my money, um, that I make. Uh, yes. And I also choose who I want to donate to cause they have that option on their website, like who you want, like who you can donate to. Um, yeah, so if y'all are not following, uh, you need to be. It's America Hates Us. Uh, that's their Instagram handle. Um, and yeah, get into that because also, why aren't you following them? And again, if you don't have Instagram, they have a Patreon and they have an entire website, obviously, where you can buy stuff. So thank you so much again for being on, on my podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. I really hope you all enjoyed this podcast episode as much as I did, because clearly, as y'all heard, I was enjoying myself during it. (laughs) And, you know, history shows us time and time again why these conversations are critical whenever it comes to racism and oppression and patriarchy and white supremacy. But history also shows us that black voices are imperative in the forefront of these conversations, not just because of racism and white supremacy, but because of our experiences as black people, right? Our humanity, our stories that we have to tell. And I'm really grateful that Tyrek and I were able to have that conversation. And I hope that you learn something. I hope that you walk away with something. I hope that you go and support them on Patreon. I hope that you go and look at what apparel you can purchase from them and do that too. Because you all... People like Tyrek, their hearts, their souls are the ones that current movements that we're in need. And I'm just grateful for his courage, for his tenacity, and for his willingness to continue to do this work while being a black man in this country. And I cannot stress that enough. So Tyrek, I know you're going to be listening to this. (laughs) I've actually already y'all talked to him about this of course and so this is really just a shout out to him while he's listening but I'm just my heart is filled with joy right now so everything will be in the show notes where you all can follow them and support them and with that being said until next time